Hey guys, we are back. And before we dive into this thing, of course, we want to remind people to go ahead and follow on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to. And if you're watching this on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, don't forget to subscribe, hit that little bell for the notifications, and let's build this audience together, this community of people coming together, studying God's Word, and applying God's Word, the unchanging principles found in His Word, to all the aspects of our lives. We have a lot of scripture to get through today. We are on the um, the third part of our series on unity and harmony within the body of Christ. Um, some big topics there, and that's why we're doing an actual series, because there's just a, there's a ton here. Go back and watch the uh, first couple of episodes if you missed those, because today we're going to talk about four layers of, of protection that God gives us for the body of Christ, four different components, four different uh, things that we can incorporate into our lives that will help us to have more unity, to, to, to be able to harmonize. We've been using kind of a musical theme um, because, again, harmony just, it, it just, that has that connotation. It's different parts, but they come together in, to make beautiful music unto the Lord. And so we, these are four different um, attributes that we can take on that will help us as we try to be the people of God that He wants us to be. Keep in mind, the body of Christ is a functioning body. We talked about it in uh, the last episode. And we are not islands. We are not these independent lone rangers running around for Jesus. We're supposed to be connected to a body. We're supposed to be submitted to a body. We're supposed to be serving in that body. And we need to incorporate things into our lives because we're human. And there will be rifts. There will be issues. There will be things that come up. And so what we need to do is we need to protect ourselves. One thing uh, that, that we're going to talk about today is love. It is, I think, the the probably the chief, the chief component, the, the primary component. If we will really have true love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, it will be very difficult to get out of tune, if I can use that language, uh, in our in our unity. Um, John fourteen fifteen says, "If you love me, keep my commands." And then if we go to John thirteen, okay, so one chapter. Before that, John 13, 34, and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, we actually just did a um, an episode on love, on this theme, uh, for the Valentine's Day weekend. And so you can go back a few weeks and check that out as well to get a little bit more on this. But basically, love is defined by God. We can't define love ourselves and then say, oh, see, when God says, if you love me, or when God says, you must love one another, that's what he means. No, he means what he's talking about. And Scripture actually uh, has a very strong understanding of love. Jesus was the picture of, of love, and yet Jesus got onto his own disciples right there. You know, he told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, right? Uh, the apostles went and emanated the love of Christ, and yet you read the epistles. doesn't matter if it's coming from Peter or Paul or, 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 or Jude or James, and, and, and they are John. I mean, the, the love apostle, right? Um, but they, they had some very strong, straightforward, even cutting truth that they delivered to some of these churches. I mean, you go read the letters, uh, to the churches in the book of Revelation. And I mean, John just, just cut straight to the chase. And he was like, Hey, this is what's going on. If you don't correct this, God's going to remove, um, your candlestick. So, um, we, we need to understand that God has a picture of love that requires a couple of things. First, it requires a, a deep commitment to God himself. It requires us to have Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. I, I constantly talk about um, like the throne of our life. We're used to, we are sitting on that throne. We're sitting there kicking back. Um, and, and, and when we truly when we truly surrender to God, when we truly repent, what we do is we we dethrone ourselves and we put Christ on that throne. That doesn't mean at that moment we're perfect. At that moment we know everything there is to know. There's a whole 
bunch of learning and growing. It's a lifetime of learning and growing and developing. And, you know, that we can talk about sanctification or consecration. These are processes that, yes, they should be ongoing. And yes, um, yes, they take time, but there should be progress. We should be able to see that progress. We should be able to, in some ways, measure that progress over time. But one of the chief components of that is right there, John 14, 15, we just read it. If you love me, keep my commands. Jesus was very adamant about this. If you want, if you truly love me, prove it. How do we prove it? We obey him. We obey the word. When, when we read the scriptures, we don't, we, even if it's tough, even if it's something that, man, that's a deep, you know, deep rooted character thing that I deal with. I don't know if I can change that. Jesus Christ will give us the strength. If he says, this is the way it needs to be, we, we will have the strength in him to be able to obey that command. But it's more than that. John, it's not just, well, and some people have this attitude like, well, you know, I've got my prayer life and I love God, but I can't stand people. They may not say it that way, you know, but I don't connect to a church regularly. You know, I might, I might, you know, dip in every couple of Sundays or, or whatever, but that is not, that is also unloving. The, the, the scriptural definition of love is that, right, people will know you're my disciples. Why? By your love for one another. And of course, the the idea, the understanding of love is that we will be serving one another in a regular capacity, that we are part of the body, right? If you're the eye, the hand, the foot, the spleen, the brain, uh, you know, the <laughs> the mucous membrane, you know, <laughs> whatever part, it's the circulatory system, it's the respiratory system, it's the, it, it doesn't matter. It We are a part of the body. It's not, I come in you know, once a month, kind of do my thing, high five some people, maybe go out to lunch and grab lunch with people, and then that's my that's my contribution. That really is not how the body of Christ is structured. There, it's just not. And so you can go back and, like I said, we go into more detail. I think it's like 50, 60 minutes worth of showing how that serving uh, in the body of Christ is one of the ways that we truly love. And if we don't do that, we really aren't loving in a scriptural sense, maybe in a man-made contrived sense, but not in a scriptural sense. Uh, this is reiterated if you go to 1 Corinthians 8, 7 through 13. You can go read that yourself. Again, 1 Corinthians 8, 7 through 13. 1 Peter 2, 16 says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil live as God's slaves. See, so another component of, of love is the, this, this kind of tension between, um, you know, between freedom and rules or, or even righteousness, holiness, uh, consecration. We have freedom in Christ, and there are things that we, you know, we, we, we shouldn't feel bogged down a burden with, but at the same time, there are things that God says, hey, I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't like this, don't associate with this kind of person, or don't be in this kind of situation. And so, even the ones where God doesn't have a clear, hey, don't do this, sometimes we, we as people of God, we have to step back and, and say, wait a minute, the scriptures actually tell me to be so loving toward my my brothers and sisters that I am not that I'm living as God's slave and that I'm not using freedom as a cover up for evil. This is reiterating Galatians uh, five thirteen through eighteen, where it talk it gets into the the works of the flesh and everything, and it actually it actually says. Uh, you, my brothers and sisters, this is Galatians 5, 13 uh, through 18, but I, I may not read the entire thing. We'll just see. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, right? You're, you're free. You're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, here we go, serve one another humbly in love. See, we're not supposed to be indulging ourselves. We're supposed to be using that freedom to serve others and to freely choose not to indulge our flesh. See, that again, a lot of times when you hear the people talking about liberty in Christ or freedom, 
Many times what they mean is there's a whole bunch of carnal stuff that I want to be able to do. And now, yay, I get to do it. I, I can do I can I can just throw off all those old chains of, you know, righteousness, holiness, consecration. I don't have to do worry about any of that anymore. I can be totally carnal and still have Jesus too. Wow, what an what an amazing um what an amazing setup. And that that's actually not that's actually not what 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 God intends. Verse 14 says for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, sorry, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one each other, with one another. So you are not to do whatever you want, but you are led by the Spirit. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not in the law. See, I mean, it's kind of a catch-22. It's like, yeah, you're free, but guess what? If you're really led by the Spirit, you're not gonna you're gonna choose not to do a whole lot of things that are contrary to the Spirit. And so we we do have to be careful. And then in Romans 14, he goes on and talks about how we we need to be mindful of our brothers and sisters. And he actually says that we have to we have to not be judging one another. Um, in, in in the you know we're, we're casting judgment on each other oh you're doing this you're doing that um but let me go to Romans chapter 14 real quick here um verse one as for the one who's weak in faith welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions right we're not we, we, there's just certain things we just shouldn't be getting in arguments about you can agree to disagree on certain things right things that are uh, not primary things that are not you know this is how to enter the kingdom type stuff. Verse 2, one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as the... As, uh, as better than another, while another esteems all days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor to the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live to himself, none of us die to himself. For we, if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's for the for this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. So then, so he goes on a little bit more. Verse 13, he picks up, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Um, this Romans 14 is a great chapter. Go read the entire thing. But again, I think we're getting the essence of it. Um, Go down to verse 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is uh, good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So the faith you have, keep between yourself and God. So again, it's a picture of love that is not about gratifying and satisfying myself. It is about satisfying the work of God, the kingdom of God. And so our our chief focus and concern should be God, keep my commands, its relationship directly with God. And then very close to that is love your neighbor as yourself. It is our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the attitude of love. And when you go, you can go to 1 Corinthians 13, um, and, you know, that kind of that picture, very popular portion of scripture, that picture of love. This all reiterates the biblical understanding of love. And if we are walking in that kind of love, where we're literally preferring each other um, over ourselves, it really, it, it's such a, it, it's, it's all like just kind of downhill from there. Because at that point, you have uh, people that are, how, how do you have disunity when everyone's just looking out for the other person? It's very difficult to have disunity, okay, <laughs> to have um, disruption in the harmony within the body of Christ. The problem is we, we're not always able to completely walk in this. We're human beings. We do mess up. We do, we do stumble. We do fail. We do come short, fall short. 
And there is, there is another component that I want to talk about, and that is the component of humility. So, in humility, Matthew 18, 2 through 4, says, And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, so many people, oh, I want to be great. I want to do great things for God. I want to, you know. And we need to humble ourselves and be like children. We need to have a humble spirit, a humble heart. Now, that doesn't mean walking around, you know, acting like or, or saying things like, oh, we're just, I'm just so useless. I'm just absolutely nothing. I mean, it's, it's having a, a true humble spirit. You can, you can see that God maybe uses you in a mighty way. You can have confidence in the Lord. You can have confidence in yourself. You can, that, that doesn't mean you're, 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 you're proud or don't have humility. Really, a lot of times that humility is in uh, how we portray. You can know, hey, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a great, um, I have a great voice. I have a great, you know, ministry over here in teaching, and and it just doesn't go to your head, though. You know, it's just, it just, it, it is true. But all thanks be to God, all glory be to God. You know, the the eyeballs, you know, start to start to look toward you, and you direct them toward Christ. You know, he, this is the attitude of humility. But if we have a humble attitude, it's really hard to, even when someone acts unloving, right? Some some brother or sister in Christ, they, you know, they had a bad day. They, they fell short of that first component. They said something, did something, whatever. Maybe it was unloving. Maybe it was legitimately wrong. But if we're humble, it's hard to, to get offended. It's hard to... Um, you know, get get thrown off track because we're humble. We we don't take ourselves so seriously. We don't we don't wear our emotions on our sleeves. Um, Deuteronomy eight one and two <clears throat> says the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So again, it even gets back to the, you know, the, the, the love, if you love me, keep my commands. Humility works in that too. If we're humble, we're more apt to obey the commands of God than if we are not. And here we see God is testing them to see how humble they are, testing that humility, testing, you know, what the, what the heart really is like. And he will do the same to us. He will test us. He will let things come our way to see how we react. He doesn't remove every obstacle, every problem, every, you know, stumbling block that could come our way. He just doesn't do that. And he uses those situations to grow us and help us and strengthen us and, and sometimes even teach us, hey, see, you, you, you have some stuff to work on. <laughs> and so we have to be ready for those types of things and open to God um, growing us in things like humility. Philippians 2, 3 through 11, very popular portion of Scripture, right? Of course, uh, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. See, again, it takes humility to walk in the kind of love where we're looking out for everybody else. We have to be humble because we're, we're putting somebody else in a primary position. And so verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Again, all this stuff very difficult to do if we're not plugged into some local assembly somewhere. Uh, you know, accountable, serving, right? This kind of stuff. Verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So it wasn't, oh yeah, I'm humbling myself to have this incredible ministry where I'm making millions of dollars. It was, I'm humbling myself literally to death, okay? To the point of death, I will obey and trust God. 
Verse 9, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Now, some people don't walk around with a, with a major, you know, conceit, attitude, uh, like, oh yeah, I'm, so, I'm the greatest, I'm God's gift to mankind. But when people are easily offended, they actually are not humble. When, when someone is really easily offended, most of the time there's some kind of pride there. Because how, again, if you don't take yourself all that person, you know, all that seriously, somebody, you know, says really mean things to you, does stuff, you know, and, and it's just like, look, whatever, you know, they're, they're a person, maybe they're having a bad day. Um, you know, it's funny when, when, when David was, was escaping from Absalom and, and, uh, Shimei comes out, he's throwing rocks at him, he, get out of here, you know, and, and of course, what was it? I think it was Abishai at the time was like, Hey, let me go over there and just cut this guy's head off. He's annoying. And David could have been like, yep, sounds good. What you say is of the Lord. Go ahead. He was like, nah, maybe the Lord sent him, you know, to, to do this. And now maybe the Lord will look and see my response and, and have mercy on me. I mean, is that, is that the kind, now that's humility. Is that the kind of uh, humility that we have? Right? Somebody is legitimately, they've done something to us. They've said something about us. They've, you know, is that the kind of humility we have? Uh, that's the kind of humility that God wants for us. How do I know that? It says it right there in Philippians. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Um, James 4.10, 1 Peter 5 and 6, they both reiterate this um, this concept that God lifts people up that are humble. That doesn't mean people would, wouldn't be lifted up if they're not humble. It means God isn't the one lifting them up. Uh, people can be, I mean, just absolutely full of pride, um, full of, you know, desire for material gain, all kinds of stuff, and be lifted up. But it's not God that's letting that lifting happen. It's not God that's lifting them up. And really, they're setting themselves up for a great fall. Um, again, right, Proverbs says that um, what pride goes before a fall. And oh, actually, where's that at? Let me look that up. But it's interesting in James 4, 6 uh, that God actually resists the proud. That's, I mean, that's kind of interesting. God, God will actively, God will actively resist someone who is proud. And then in Proverbs 16, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? And we have to be careful that we're not lifting ourselves up in pride. And I've, I've heard this said, and I think it's really good. It, you know, the same pride that, that will, would cause someone or might push someone or might tempt someone to um, park right out in front of, you know, the parking lot, let's say at the church. They come rolling in. They really park where everybody can see that car because it's a very nice car. People can see, wow, you know, they spent some money on that thing. They're very successful. Look at so-and-so. They're here. Wow, look at that car. The same kind of pride, hey, I want, I'm want, i concerned about how what people think about me, and, and I want them to think good about me, that kind of thing. It's the same kind of pride that will cause a person with an old beater to park way in the back because they don't, they don't want people to see what car they're driving. They don't want people to know that, oh, that's so-and-so's car. Now, I'm not saying you're parking over on the grass because you know, you're leaking oil, that that's a practical reason to be parking in a specific spot, right? Like you're parking on the side of the building because that gets the least amount of sun and you don't want your, your, your car to be super hot or whatever. I'm talking about to be seen or not to be seen, right? Because generally that same person who has the old beater but doesn't want people to know that's their car, if they were to get now a sweet ride, they're going to want people now to, to see it. Ooh, look at me. So it is, it's, the, it's two sides of the same coin of really of pride. And, and we need to stamp that out because pride is a very dangerous thing. And it causes many problems in the body of Christ. But if we have humility, even when we're hurt, even when somebody does something that could offend us, what is our reaction? Our reaction is one of love, even if they're not being loving, because we don't consider ourselves something to be... Um, 
something to be defended, protected. So, you know, you don't don't you know who I am, or I can't believe you did this to me, or you know, how dare you? We, we just don't. We won't have that reaction. We'll realize, hey, people are people, and sometimes people do bad things. And who am I, right? Who am I? When they've done this to me, it hurt God. You know, help me not to be bitter. God forgive them. You know, He forgave us, right? Which brings us to the third component. Aha, a little segue into the third component of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So as God forgave you, we should forgive one another and be tenderhearted toward one another. Now, this is not always easy. This is you know a scripture that's easy to read, and easy to preach or, or talk about or even think about, oh yeah, you know, but but when someone actually does something wrong, you know, says something bad about your kids, you know what I'm saying, um, it, it's a lot harder to do, but he is putting it in the light of, hey, hey, <laughs> God forgave you, so we need to be forgiving other people. Matthew 6 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Ouch! So God actually links our forgiveness toward others with His forgiveness toward us. If we are not forgiving people, God has the right to say, well, I'm not going to forgive you then. That's, I mean, that's what Matthew 6, 14, 15 says. So it, it actually goes a little deeper than that. It, it gets a little stronger than that. When you when you go to Matthew 18, um, kind of 21 through through 35, you find the parable of the uh, sort of the the two debtors. You have the this master and he he goes to his servant, his servant owes him gobs of money and he's like hey it's time to pay up or you're getting you know thrown in prison i'm gonna get my money out of you one way or the other you know he begs for mercy and and the master gives him mercy and says you know what don't worry about it i'm gonna show you mercy i'm gonna forgive this and then this the servant who was just forgiven gobs of money turns around goes to his fellow servant that owes him a few bucks and is super harsh with him won't forgive and we get to verse 35, Matthew 18, 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What did he do? The master hears about this, brings the the unforgiving servant in, and puts his debt back on him. So master forgives the debt, hears the servant is unforgiving, calls the servant in, and says, you know what, I changed my mind. I'm not going to forgive that debt. I'm putting it back on you. Cast this joker in outer darkness. Um, Verse 35 is kind of scary, though. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That alone is a massive incentive to be forgiving. (laughs) Because, whoa, that is serious business. But God is very serious about us being forgiven. And again, we forgive in the light of what Jesus did for us. We don't forgive in the light of what others have done. Because if we do, if we look at it that way, I promise you, you're not going to forgive people. Because people do some some rough things, bad things, and we, we need to have a right perspective about it. Um, the the issue really, really, really is let's keep God in the focus, really with all these things. You know, love, humility, now forgiveness. We have to forgive though, but when when we forgive, when when we we uh, are are done wrong and we we forgive anyway, maybe they didn't even ask. You know, it's one thing to forgive when someone comes and they're, you know, they're on their hands and knees, oh please forgive me, I did you wrong. I recognize that I'm taking all, you know, full responsibility. But you know, what what if they don't? What if they don't? That is the issue. Um, that, that's the issue we have to worry about because a lot of times, um, 
people don't ask for forgiveness. A lot of times people hurt. Sometimes they don't know it, but sometimes they do. And I mean, <laughs> what are we what are we going to do? We're, we're just going to hold on to grudges. You've got a body of Christ trying to work together in unity, do the, do the things that um, that God wants us to do for His kingdom, and yet we've got this little thing over here and this little riff over here. And you you imagine a local assembly, de- maybe decades, generations of people growing up and and being connected to one another and things like that. I mean, you're gonna have stuff happen. Somebody says something, you know. Uh, wrong, somebody does something wrong, somebody takes advantage of somebody. I mean, th- this kind of stuff is going to is going to happen. In um in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, um, let's go to verse 8. It says, So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of God, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. So, and we need to be careful because if we have unforgiveness, if we're that type of person, then the enemy can outwit us. He can use that as a device against us, and we need to, um, we need to be on guard against the enemy. So, one, sometimes Satan can get a sort of a one-up on us if we don't live lives of forgiveness, forgiving other people, truly from the heart, forgiving people. Jesus was very adamant about it with the with the parables, right? If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. In fact, he can put those debts back on back on you. Um, but when we walk in forgiveness, again, hard to have disunity, hard to have lack of that harmony together, because even when we're done wrong, legitimately, we you know what, I'm gonna forgive them. God has forgiven me of so many things. I'm going to forgive them. This is a this is nothing compared to what, you know, my sins against God. So, I think these three things are all very important, very strong. And the last one, the last one, and this this is something that really just in our society, it is so uh, it is so lacking. It is so lacking. It's something that if our society really had more of this, I think we would see so much less um, you know, hatred and uh, definitely like the envy. There's so much envy in the in the United States. It's, it, there's a culture of envy. I mean, people vote out of envy. People people hold to political ideologies really built on envy. Um, and that is thankfulness. Okay, so this the component. This fourth component here is thankfulness. And so you have Ephesians five. 18 through 21 is where we're going to go. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Let's just stop right there for a minute. Again, connecting, right? Being around each other. It's just, it's an assumption made in Scripture all over the place. Um, again, the body of Christ coming together, it's not a, well, if, it's, no, when you, you we will, we are expected to, if we're going to live for God and be a true member of the kingdom, um, you can't be a uh, a member of God's kingdom, but I decided not to be a member of the body. No, that's not how it works. And so, since we will be connecting and we, we, we are human beings and our families will be, you know, mingling together and connecting together and this kind of stuff. Um, here's how we have to operate. <laughs> right? Now, verse 20 says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We should live in a kind of a mode of thanksgiving. You know, think about what can I give thanks in? You know, had the most horrible day in the world. You come home and you just, you know, you think to yourself, wow, I'm thankful I have a home to come to. Right? Worst day ever. 
Um, you don't even have a home to come to. You come home and the house is being, you know, repossessed by the bank. Well, I have my, you know, I have, thank God for, for my health. Thank God for, but then, you know, you get bad news from the doctor and it's, it's the worst of the worst of the worst possible days. Well, thank God for my hope in eternity because uh, when this life is over, I've got eternity to be in the presence of Jesus. I mean, again, see, it's that, it's that thankfulness. It just There's always something to give thanks for. And generally, it, 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 you can always go to eternity, or you can always go to that, the, the most important thing. But generally, there's even stuff in this life, even when, you know, nine out of ten areas of our life are absolutely going to um, absolute <laughs> flames, um, we, there's something we can give thanks for and be thankful for. First Thessalonians 5 says it this way, verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want to do the will of God. I want to, I want to know His will for my life. Okay, be a thankful person. Okay? If you're not thankful, if you're not walking around giving thanks in all circumstances, well, you know, you, you have a scriptural area where the Bible says this is God's will for you, let's do it. It's kind of a kind of a no-brainer. But it's it's difficult, right? It's difficult to walk in Thanksgiving, especially when culturally, at least in our culture, in a lot of Western culture, the culture is that of envy. Like somebody else has more than you. You know, that's not fair. They have it because they're, you know, they're oppressive. They're part of the patriarchy. They're part of systemic, fill in the blank, you know, whatever. Systemic this, systemic that. They're some kind of horrible, evil person. Nobody can possibly have anything more than me unless they got it through nefarious, wicked ways. So, you know, get the government to go take some of their stuff and give it to me. I mean, this is, again, this is embedded in our culture. And so it's hard to push against that and say, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to, but this is why Romans 12 says, change the way you think, right? Don't be conformed by the, by the world, but transformed by the, you know, the renewing of your mind in some uh, translations, but it, it, it's, it's changing your thought processes. That is not easy. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's something that we should be pushing for because the world's thought processes will only send us to hell and we will live in hell in this earth until we eventually go to the place hell. Um, and that's just, not, again, that is nothing that anyone wants. Um, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God says, make your request known. Pray. Get, offer supplication. Say, hey, God, I want this to change. I'd like this job situation to change. I'd like you to heal this. I'd like you to do this. But with thanksgiving, what can you? What can we be thankful for? Even in a prayer of petition or supplication, asking God for stuff, what can we give thanks for? Verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A lot of people like to pull that verse kind of out of context, like, oh, the peace of God, like it's just going to rain down. It's just going to magically, mystically, supernaturally just fall on us. We're just going to be in such utter chaos um, in our life, and and there's just going to be like a wind blows, and boom, we just have peace. Well, if we want the peace of God, right, we need to, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make our requests known to God. And I think that is a cure for for anxiety. I think it's a cure for depression. I think it's a way that, that the people of God can can um, um, actually escape a lot of the depression, anxiety that that um, that is that kind of permeates much of our culture. And uh, Thanksgiving thankfulness is right there smack dab in the middle. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come to his presence with singing. Does this describe us on a, on a Sunday morning, midweek Bible study, on our way to a prayer meeting, or a meeting at somebody's house where we're going to do some fellowship and Bible study? I mean, is this, is this, how, we, is this how we do it? Make, it? make a joyful noise? We're glad. We're, we're, I mean, we're singing. 
Or is it like, oh, here we go, check the box, make sure so-and-so sees me because they'll be hassling me if I'm not here. I mean, that, uh, that again, we just, we are not walking in the thanksgiving of God. Verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us, and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with, here we go, thanksgiving. Just entering in needs to be done with thanksgiving. We need to be doing it with thanksgiving, a thankful heart. Into his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name. So twice it tells us, right, thanks, thankfulness. Verse 5, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So when we read this, we see it's putting, it doesn't say because you're you're blessed and you're rich, you're in super great health, everything in your family is perfect, Um it does not say any of that. It's putting God in his rightful place. It's putting us in our rightful place. Where are we? What are we doing? We're in the presence of God. We're connecting. We're entering into his gates. We're right. And it's with thanksgiving. So once again, many times when we have issues and problems and we're in a cycle of anxiety and depression, or we're we're in a cycle of just you know, life's kicking us in the teeth, and we, you know, we we try to claw our way out. And are, are we stepping back and doing some of these things that the Bible tells us? This is this is where your focus needs to be. This is what you. This is what your mindset needs to be like. A lot of times we we go through the traditional religious routines, like going to a service and and that kind of stuff. We do the routine, but we don't develop the heart and the mindset that God is telling us to do. We should go. We should connect. That is an expectation of God. But you can go and connect uh, and, and not and really not connect. <laughs> I mean, you can go, you can sit, you can be there amongst people, but you're not really connecting. You can also go and even connect. You can go and like do fellowship and hang out with people and stuff, but you're not allowing God really to do his part. You're not letting him change your thought processes, change your heart, change your attitude, even change your character. And so again, our, our life becomes very... Um, um, frustrating, and it's just like this gnawing, like, well, I'm doing everything I'm, I'm supposed to do. No, you're not. We might be just doing, maybe I'm just doing the, the, the outward process, the outward activity, but I'm not letting the inward process actually change and do its work. And that's where we need to focus. And thanksgiving, thankfulness, is one of those massive, major areas that we need to incorporate into our lives. Hebrews 12 28 and 29, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So again, it's that right perspective, right? It doesn't say, let us be grateful because we're filthy rich. Let us be grateful because we never have any problems. Let us be grateful because everything's going 100% perfect right now. It says, let us be grateful. Why? We have a kingdom that can't be shaken. At the, you know, eternal things. Our mind is on eternal things. It's so much easier to be thankful when our mind is on eternal things and realizing that in this life, God doesn't have to do anything for us. And so everything that we have, anything that's good in this life is something to be thankful for. I may not have as good a car as I want, but I have a car. I may have no car, but I've got a bike. I may have no bike, but I've got shoes that I can walk in, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, you see what I'm saying. I think you get what I'm saying. It's difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. I am not saying, oh, it's just so easy to do. I just do it all the time. No, there's plenty of times where I um, mess up and I don't do this and I get focused on the things that are going wrong, right? The, the, you know, it, that happens to anybody, but this is what this is how God helps us uh, to, to have the, the kind of lives, ministry, the, the kind of church body that he wants because when we're thankful, when we're thankful, walking around with Thanksgiving, it, it, it's easier to somebody hurt us, somebody did something, but look at all the people who are not hurting. Look at all the things that this person over here is great. That person over there, get, you know, cooked me a meal. That person over here took me out. This person over here prayed for me. This person over here has been doing Bible studies with me. This person over, right? It's easier when we're walking in Thanksgiving. So these components, I think, are very important. Let's recap. Love, humility, forgiveness, Thankfulness. So love is is kind of that that top one, right? It is it's proactive. We avoid so many pitfalls if we really walk in that kind of scriptural love that that we just kind of went through. And again, you can go back and watch the Valentine's um, uh, 
uh, I say watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's YouTube, but you could listen to it as well on whatever podcast service you happen to be using. But the the one around Valentine's Day, um, for a little bit more on the kind of love that is true scriptural love. Humility is that next layer, right? Because when we're humble, even if somebody else is not acting in love, like maybe we are, or you know, maybe it's vice versa. Maybe maybe we're not, and they are, and thank goodness they're humble. But humility helps us because when somebody else is uh, is is not acting in love, we can we can still not not consider ourselves uh, worth defending. Look, I'm I'm just dust anyway. So hey, you know, somebody's walking on me, not a big deal, right? Then there's forgiveness because we we might say that and think that, and then we what do we do? We need to forgive those people, not be holding it against them, not be thinking, well, you know, a year a year later or something explodes. You're like, remember that time thirteen months ago when you whoa what? No, we forgive. We actually truly forgive from the heart. And remember, Jesus requires forgiveness, and we forgive in the light of what Christ did for us, not in the light of human relationships. Finally. Uh, thankfulness, right? Just walking in thanksgiving helps us to have a a perspective that is more eternal rather than so much in just in this life because there's going to be so many disappointments and frustrations and things in this life. And if we are thankful and thinking things eternal, it's going to be a much better go if we do it that way. So finally, I want to go to the book of Colossians chapter 3 verses 11 through 17 here to wrap it all up here there is not greek and jew circumcised and uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave free but christ is all in all so this verse takes us back to kind of last session where we talk about we talked about those some of those areas where there could there could be tension there could be a little friction right here, he's reiterating in Colossians, these distinctions need to disappear when it comes to the people of God. The people of God come together. We're not looking at each other's socioeconomic status. We're not looking at each other's race. We're not looking at each other's religious background. We're not. We're coming together in Christ, and we're one in Christ. God is all, right? Christ is all and in all. It's all about Christ. We are his body. It's kingdom-minded. It's spirit-led. The, this is what we need to be focused on. So Colossians 3.11 is that. Verse 12 says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness. Here we go. Ready? Humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So this is bringing in pretty much everything we've talked about the last 45 minutes. It's bringing it all together. Verse 14, and above all these, above all these, right, that top layer, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I mean, it's almost like I wrote this. <laughs> it, just, it just fits so perfectly with this entire series. We are in perfect harmony when we walk in these things. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body. Now we we forgot the one, right? Don't worry, it's right here. And be thankful. <laughs> he puts it all right in here. It's so awesome. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, here it is again, thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's almost like we need a double dose of thankfulness whenever we read, whenever you read a scripture, it's like, give thanks. Oh, by the way, give thanks. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I guess in this in this instance we need a triple dose of thanksgiving. But I'm here to tell you that the um you know these scriptures like this just pack all this stuff together showing how the relationship between the um the relationship between the people in the body of Christ has it needs to be. We need to have again he he lumps in a couple of additional things here things like patience and kindness, compassionate hearts. But these things really stand out, the, the, the humility, the, for, the forgiveness, the love, and the 
the thanks or thankfulness. Um, it's interesting to me, like he mentions humility and then he says meekness. And I think the best way to think about this is they're, they're really, they're, they're kind of the same, right? Humility, meekness. I mean, what's, what's the difference? Humility is like the attitude. It's the internal, intrinsic, right? That's our thought product. We are humble. It's a state of being. Meekness is a state of doing. It's how we act. So we, if we are humble, we will, we will be meek, right? We will, we will show meekness. It's how, it's how that humility, that internal humility, gets played out. It's the action to go with the being. The being is humility. The acting is, or the doing is meekness. I think that's probably the best way to to look at it that I've that I've come across. I think it it helps to kind of understand that because. Um, you know, we, humility is not just something that we just, it, we are internally, but then nobody can really see that. No, we will, we will, we will act in a way that's humble. And that is called meekness. So we have it all right here. And I think that is really, um, where we'll end it. If we can just have these things in the body of Christ, each individual person needs to work on having all of these. We need to walk in, uh, you know, thanksgiving, thanks or thankfulness. Um, we need to walk in forgiveness. We need to be humble, and we need to have that love, true biblical scriptural love toward one another. If we have these in the church, in the body of Christ, connecting, coming together as the kingdom of God, the ecclesia that 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 you know called out and called in or called to, honestly. It's going to be very difficult not to walk in harmony, not to walk in unity, because these things are the components that help to bring and to keep unity and harmony within the body of Christ. So one more time, just love, humility, slash weakness, forgiveness, and thankfulness. So I, I pray that this has helped you. I pray that you know this is something that... Uh, you will take to heart, that I will take to heart, that we can start to pray these things and, and go over some of these scriptures and, and, and try to be people who are walking in love, walking in that humility, living out forgiveness, forgiving people from the heart, and being thankful. Thankful, thankful, thankful. So, speaking of thankful, I am thankful for you, people listening and watching, and again, those that are sharing and commenting, uh, those that are sending us emails at podcastbeverages.com for you know, either content or questions and things like that. I really am thankful. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of this community. I love uh, what we're doing here and what we're building here together. Again, love you guys. God bless you. And we will catch you on the next video.